Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Salt Mine. This is episode 10, I do believe. We are fresh off week two of the NACL playoffs, where we have eliminated eight more teams and are already down to the top four. My name is Gordo. I am joined by TDS and Yarko, as always. And like I said, boys, we've eliminated eight more teams. We are really down to the final stretch here. Yeah, pouring one out for all the departed along the way. Pouring out to all my predictions as well. My bracket has been completely shattered. Honestly, it's probably a good thing I saved face by forgetting to enter that fear bracket contest they were having on Twitter. Meanwhile, I am salty about that fear bracket because I am a one fly quest game win against Cincinnati fear away from being number one on that bracket, man. If, if fly quest had pulled it out and kept my dreams of a fly quest C9 final alive, I would be in first place over there right now. And, uh, I would be getting that sweet, sweet hundred dollars of RP and all of the good publicity for this podcast that would come with it. Uh, but instead I sit at a lowly second. It was close. I'm I'm glad like the underdog story is great, but it also affected my bracket. So like I have mixed feelings. TLC at least is is pulling it up for me. The only believer of TLC so far, and the only and they are pulling it up, so I'm glad for them. Yep, yep, yep. Definitely have to give the props to TDS for uh the TLC predictions, but we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. Let's just start yep. off. Let's go through the first two days one at a time and kind of talk about them on mass. You know, I don't think we're going to go super in-depth on every single best of three, but we'll take it day by day and, and chat about what comes to mind. So let's start off with the Saturday games. These were wildcard eliminating TSM, Golden Guardians eliminating Immortals, TL eliminating CLG, and FlyQuest eliminating AOE as AOE becomes our fourth team to enter the relegation tournament. I guess that's as good a spot to start on as any. No real big surprises there, as AOE will be joining the, uh, we could call them LCS affiliate uh, provisional teams down there in the relegation tournament. They will be going in as the highest seed, having made it the deepest into the bracket. Uh, what do you think about this squad? I mean, I think they have nothing to fear. I think they will do very well in this uh, in this bracket. So, I don't know if it was pun intended or not, but like, I at least the teams that I'm confident in going into like anything sort of elimination or anything like that AOE feels like the one that you can always pull off in that sense. They, like, it was between them and Wildcard for the last one. And realistically, neither of them should be scared of anyone coming from below. So I think they, they, they were a pretty good bet. Now, nobody expected AoE to be able to go higher than they did either because of the way that the bracket was. So it's hard to say that, that there was better expectations for them, but I'm glad that at least they more than likely will get a second chance in the NACO. More than likely. For sure. I kind of wish that we spent a little bit more time on AOE prior to their departure from this season. Um, they have been consistently entertaining. I think that they 
really embodied this mid-tier to lower-tier set of teams that played in the NACL, be they provisional or not. The level of competition, as TDS is saying, I think is still high enough to where they really don't have to fear anyone coming in from the NACL Open qualifiers. I'll go further and just say, honestly, after this past week of play, the NACL queues have kind of had me cast doubts on a lot of these teams. Merrillville's looking a lot less consistent than I thought they would be, and they are really kind of the front runner. Um, and then we already kind of talked in the past episode about how TikTok Tony Top and those below them were faring. So. Yeah, I think that AOE we're going to be seeing again in the future, and I'm happy that that's the case. Although, you know, kind of wish that for the actual best of three that we probably need to get to talking about. Um, they put up a better fight. Yeah, um, we'll also say for the for the seeding as far as that goes, um, they will be coming in as the first seed overall of the eight teams in that uh, bracket. Uh, it's just the way it plays out. the The existing challenger teams get the one through four seeds, uh, and the provisional teams coming up to challenge them get the fifth through eighth seeds so should be a pretty advantageous seed for aoe they will play the weakest of the four teams points wise yeah. in the first round and that uh i think should give them pretty good odds to uh have a couple of good matchups and find their way back in something interesting i think about aoe gold to do a little bit of a retrospective on their season as a whole is AoE is, like, exactly who we thought they would be, I feel like. Like, we thought that they would be the best provisional team, but we thought that the best provisional team would be about where AoE is, right? Like, yeah. we, would, we still thought they would be, like, you know, they would be, like, your 10th, 11th kind of area. You know, they probably would not be beating out a lot of challengers teams, and... They would, you know, take some games here and there, but otherwise not be that impressive. And that's kind of where AoE ended up. In a world where Cincinnati Fear and Wildcard didn't have such big explosive performances to actually be able to contend and make deeper runs here, I think that we would be heralding AoE as, like, you know, if they had just performed this well, uh, you would have really thought that would have been enough. So... I don't know, kind of in an interesting position for them here. I do think they have a very tough matchup here up against FlyQuest Challengers. I do not fault them for falling 0-2 to two there. Uh, I think FlyQuest in another world could have very easily been in this top four. Again, they are just one game win away from being able to get there. Uh, we'll discuss that series in a bit. Um, but yeah, AoE do not really appear to be able to put up too much of a fight here. If I recall correctly, they build up a bit of a lead in one of the games, but just doesn't end up really being enough. It was like nearly turned around in game two by AoE, but Masu just pops off way too hard and ends up carrying through for FlyQuest. And it's, I like that you bring up the points with Fear and Wildcard in between, because yeah, like realistically, AoE... Is the per the the example of how a provisional team feels like should be performing, not super above expectations where they finish six, but not below like any other like bad teams, right? This is probably the spot where, and I think for the future, it's probably where we'll be seeing this sort of provisional teams be more so than likely, because I feel like fear and wildcard are exceptions. They are not going to be the rule. That fear, more so fear than wildcard. Like wildcard, you could argue is kind of like AOE, where that's probably the farthest that I expect to see provisional teams in the future. But because fear is an exception to me, I don't think we're going to see a repetition of fear at least in a while. 
beer is going to get broken up. Like that's a, I feel like that's a fact. Next split, there's no shot that we see the five same players on beer. And then I feel like that over performance, if you want to call it like that, or the way that they are playing, it's not something that a lot of professional teams can hope to imitate in the future. So it feels like taking taking out the way that Fear performed, the wildcard and AOE are kind of the expectations that we should have going forward for professional teams, because that seems much more realistic than what Fear is pulling off. And for AOE particularly also, just thinking about the bracket, even if it wasn't Fly C, it would have been Dixie. So like they had a hard time either way, even if it isn't Fly C. So it's really unlucky, but they still did a good job. While that's true for this specific bracket, uh, <laughs> it should be the seventh seed that they play against here too. You know, right? Like I think Flyquest yeah. is a bit underseeded. Uh, you know, by by nobody's fault, right? I mean, well, look at TLC, were, right? They were, yeah. I mean, TLC also ends up a tad underseeded, one could say. <laughs> although uh, I think that's like I think for both it's for valid reasons, right? Like Flyquest yeah. was running with Keytong most of the season. Uh, Masu was playing on ping, and that clearly downgraded them in power. And TL, they just took a little bit longer to really step up to the level to of competition. You know, I think they had a really explosive early season, uh, playing a very weak early bracket. Then they started to really have to amp up against harder teams, and it took them a little bit to get there. But they look quite good now, especially in a 2-1 to -one win over CLG Challengers, where... If I recall correctly, they, like, drop the first game, don't they? It's, like, actually kind of a comeback for them. Uh, a reverse sweep, if we're willing to call it that. Um, I think they actually threw that first game, if I'm not wrong. Like, it was close, and then they took a bad fight in some place, and then it just snowballed out of control. It was one of the games that just made me say, okay, I maybe I'm having too much hope for TLC. But after that, they just decided to actually play, and, and it's been really good so far from watching TLC. For sure. Have kind of a combined point I wanted to make as well while we're in this area of the bracket for TSM and Immortals, who both bow out at this stage. Uh, that's about top laners. I think coming into summer for both of these teams, I think it's time to shop around, boys, uh, for two different reasons. One, for Immortals, come on, guys, we can't be importing top in this league not not with the top lane talent pool that we have in north america right now like we're talking about some of the weaker roles we're talking about you know mid lane we're not that deep outside of uh, the actual nacl if we're talking about support you know we're not super deep outside of the nacl there either but come on guys in top lane it's like surdy and moose hater and lunasia and faisal all look great and they're on, you know, not technically challenger teams. They're on provisional teams. They should be looking to move up. Uh, and then, you know, you can also look down. You can look at somebody like Shockey. You can look at somebody like Zamudo, who will surely be coming back here before too long. Uh, you know, Dragoon's still great. Somebody's got to give this guy a shot eventually. Quacker is back and is looking fully quacked. He is going nuts in the CCG games since he's joined up with that team. I think there's a ton of top lane talent to take a look at, guys. You should not be importing at this role. And then for TSM, I think it's no worth noting that uh, Haunter plays these these games in the Challengers League um, and not solo, despite Haunter having come into sub for LCS. So 
Maybe reading a little too much into that, but to me that speaks that Solo might be on his way out of the organization. And in that case, TSM, they have got to pick themselves up a challenger top laner. Just a quick thing. If I'm importing, I'm not importing ADD. That's it. Sure. That's my point. Sure. Yeah, but like let's let's not import top lane at all, guys. There's a Don't lot of Don't import ADD. Import a import a seventeen year old Korean, please. Not ADD. That's it. Or That's slightly older Korean with behavioral issues like Emin is, you know, but for the top like, There's no wrong answers here, guys. The only wrong answer <laughs> is to import a is, ADD. Take an import <laughs> veteran. That is the only wrong answer. Uh, and we, I trust Immortals is going to do it. I've brought this up before. That Immortals is on their sixth top laner in six splits. Let's make it seven for seven, boys. No hate to ADD, but come on, guys. Let's let's use these let's use this challenger spot wisely and and develop us some talent. This time they'll pick up a veteran PCS player instead. Oh my god! <laughs> At least I think TDS, you're getting to the point that people are casting a wide net looking for talent in the NACL, and you know there's pros and cons to doing so. But going back to Gordo's point, I think that you're kind of hitting the nail right on the head in a way. Um, we talked about this before the podcast even started. You know, Yasui is out of the contract database, at least for Immortal. So this shows that as a whole, they're looking to revamp or build their roster up in some way. And when you look at the success stories here from the first split of the NACL, especially during the regular season, where you have players with very little competitive experience, Lunasia, I think, is the big highlight on that front, coming in and making a statement. You really should just be looking for homegrown talent. And it's perfectly fine to make a gamble, you know, because top it's top lane it's an island it's, it's not that impactful yeah. overall you know they can run it down for a few games and then you can look for a replacement afterwards because also we have a very fluid conception about how rosters look and are locked in so with all those elements in mind i totally agree with you i think that it's time to not look for input it's, it's instead time to just look for someone new that can really kind of propel your team to the next level and there's so much talent here in na with which you could do that Thinking about with the idea of Immortals, right? Nobody picked up a full-on rookie roster, right? Like everyone went with at least player, like two players that are rookies, and then players that have experience either in academy or LCS to a certain degree, or international with the or with ADD, right? So is it like wouldn't it be good at, or not a good idea, but like an interesting attempt if Immortals went full on just rookie and see what what happens because they cannot be relegated anyway. So at least see how it goes would be kind of interesting. Yeah, I think I don't know. I mean, I have no issue. Like, I think Wixie should stay for sure. Um, <laughs> I think Chad. It's kind of coming back into his meta. I, I'm not like I'm not writing off Chad yet. I think Joey's been kind of around for forever. But if if you want to keep Joey, I have no issues with Joey. I think. I think the solo lanes are what you're looking at for Immortals. As far as if they're, like, the most young rosters in the NACL, I mean, Fear is effectively all rookies for NACL. Um, I guess so. It, uh, Wildcard isn't quite because of Soligo um, and Duo King. But uh, both had played Academy before. Um, I guess the closest out of the Challengers teams is probably, like, FlyQuest, which is all second-year players, pretty much. Well, um, the, the only one is Philip playing LCS, right? Well, like, Philip because... played LCS, but it was still, like, it was Philip's... This is still Philip's, like, third yeah, split yeah. of Academy or something. Um, 
And then Yuji, it's his second year. It's Spyrax's second year. It's Masu's first year. And it's Winsome. Yeah, Winsome played a little LCS as well. And then played uh, LFL for a bit, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's where he was. I think it was the German one, no? Oh, uh, like, okay. Maybe Big Liga or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Superliga, maybe? Either sure. way. He, was, he, he played some ERLs, but he still hasn't been playing that long either. But yeah, an interesting conundrum. Uh, these are the lowest tier teams. These are the teams I kind of expect to make some changes. Um, maybe except for CLG. I don't know what to make of CLG. I feel like they had a really disappointing run here. I had them going a lot further. Um, maybe unfortunate that they pair against TL challengers so early. Um, that's another little bit of a seeding mishap. I think they, I mean, I think like doubtlessly CLG is the strongest of the four teams eliminated at this stage, right? Like they would have probably won, um, I think they could have beaten TSM Immortals AOE easy. Uh, I think they have a shot against somebody like a Golden Guardians or a Wild Card as well. Um, but the matchup does not favor them, and they bow out here. I don't think they need to make changes. I want, I'm want. i excited to see them in summer. Moving on towards day two here, we get some of our winner's bracket matches. Uh, big Cloud9 matchup up against Cincinnati Fear, uh, and Dignitas taking down 100 Thieves Challengers, proving that... TDS and I might have been reading a little bit too much into a pretty small sample size of Darshan 100 Thieves games. And then FlyQuest takes out Wildcard and TL takes out Golden Guardians. Uh, starting off with Cloud9 here, I continue to have no reasons to doubt this team. This team is nuts as they 2-0 the very good Cincinnati Fear, who are now in top four. Um, with this 2-0 over Cincinnati Fear... Uh, Cloud9 are now in a position where they have defeated half of the other top four teams. If they beat Dignitas uh, on Saturday, which I think they will, they will have beaten all three remaining teams in the bracket. Uh, these guys just look unstoppable. I mean, they're just playing so well across the board. They look better than they look towards the end of the regular season. I am going to be predicting them still to win this whole thing. It's surprising that the weakest, like, weakest, right? Weakest part looks to be a little bit to Mio. And, and even then, like, weakest is, it's it's not even that weak. So it just feels like Cloud9 has sorted out how not only they want to play with the bot side, but also, like, Diplex feels like he has been playing enough time already with them. Like, the team seems to be coming together really, really well. Fake got still really consistent. Lost and Seiso still really, really good. Like, I'm, I, I had it that they were not going to be this far up because I was expecting them to be taken away. But if you don't take, in, take them away or take them apart, taking them up to where LCS to try and fix any other, like, bad team, then this is clearly the result that was going to happen. They were going to be good because they are good players. Just, like, maybe in the in-between with LCS and the like, but... The rest of the team is looking still so, so good. And Seizo, to me, is really just trying to make it so that he gets picked up to LCS as soon as possible. He's been performing really, really well. I agree. I think that C9C, now that my other bet of FlyQuest being eliminated, um, has run its course and no longer can contend for the championship, uh, will probably take it. They looked so good in their games versus Fear. They almost had a little bit of that classic T1 in the LCK dynamic where 
you know, it's game number two. They were goofing off a little bit, or not even goofing off, but they were behind on kills, and it just didn't matter. They were, or were always up like 1,000, 2,000 gold, able to push those very small, narrow advantages into good grouped fights around neutral objectives. And from there, they walked that one home as well, made it look easy versus a team that continues to stun and impress, as we'll talk about in the loser's bracket. So, yeah, I'm right there with you guys, C9C. They're gear enough, and I think that they're going to take this one all the way to the bank. Now, moving on on the winner's bracket as well, 100 Thieves versus Dignitas. Gotta gotta take the L on that one, where it's Hoonan time, baby. Like, I think a big part of this series is just, like, Hoon really pops off against Darshan. Uh, he has some great rumble play in game number one. Like, I think probably one of the better rumbles we've seen so far. I think that's a pick that you really have to respect up against Hoon now for the rest of this uh, bracket, given that it's going to be played on the same patch. Um, still think his NAR commands a ton of respect, and he's looking like a pretty dangerous laner to have to go up against. Like, there's other layers that Dignitas can play through, too. I think they do a really good job of shutting down Unforgiven uh, in game number two. Like, in both games, I think they play around bot very effectively, but Game number two in particular stands out to me uh, as being able to shut down Yukino and make sure that Unforgiven can't really get into the game. Uh, really clean showing from Dignitas Challengers. I mean, I think they're kind of having a renaissance here deep in the bracket as well. And I hope they give us a good matchup up against Cloud9 uh, when we get to the prediction stage. So I'm not confident that Cloud9C versus X is going to be that good. I, I feel like Cloud9 is going to be much more favored into that anyway, just because of how well they've been playing. But I, I do have to like take it back with, like you were saying, Hoon, but also Spawn. I, I actually was really impressed with Spawn in that series. I think that he performed better than he did previously, and he hold Unforgiven to a really good degree. Like, obviously didn't win that heavily against him, but he hold him down in a really effective manner, something that we saw similarly happen on the TLC series, but in a different way. And I think that Spawn is at least pulling his weight now into the team, and that's why I think Dixie now feels like more accommodated into a better team. I have no hopes against C9C though, still. I feel like C9C is better in, in a lot of regards, but this feels much more reminiscent of the way Dixie was playing in regular season than anything else we've seen so far from them, which is a good thing if they want to try and pull it up against CNT. Up until the very end, I think that 100 Thieves still show their strengths. It was just that to a degree, Dixie had their number, had the ability to answer back a lot against a lot of the things that kind of define 100 Thieves during the regular season, even after the handoff from Sniper to Darshan, it's a matter that they could play through top lane. It's just <laughs> up against what uh, Dixie's bringing to the table. That was a whole lot less possible with Hoon just gooning on Darshan in both games. That Cho'Gath performance game number one from 100C just did not sit right with me. And while the focus bot with Unforgiven being yet again a highlight player here for the entirety of the NACL uh, kind of put me on the edge of my seat with that performance where they're going up like 2-0 on the Ophelios and I was starting to get wary about the chances of Dixie getting the 100%. Um, yeah, as a whole, the whole team was able to bring it back. You know, the Jinx was able to scale, Spawn popped off, Diamond as well, really, really good performance on that Tom Kedge. So as a whole... They are going to be the team that I think will take it deepest versus C9 going forward. But, I mean, 
beyond that, they are front runners. Maybe not my top choice, though, as I think we're all kind of alluding to with the C9C. For sure. And over in the loser's bracket, FlyQuest, uh, you know, at this point in the bracket, they're still looking like they are unstoppable. Masu has some fantastic performances against Wildcard as well. Um, really does not make that series look particularly close. I think Yuji also just does a fantastic job of playing around bot lane in that series and really does not let Wildcard get too into it. Um, mm-hmm when all is said and done and then team liquid up against golden guardians as much as a as much as it was a 2-0 for tl i actually think golden guardians plays this series a lot more competitively than i would have originally expected them to i think concept in particular does a great job against bradley he solo kills him in both games um solo kills him multiple times in the second game his Cassante looks very good and, you know, prior to this series, I think Concept was really in my category of, like, players who I was kind of like, yeah, you really got to prove something to me, man. Because as I've been alluding to, there's a deep pool of play- top laners in North America who deserve to be on Challengers teams. Um, but I don't know. He kind of wins me over in this series. He looks so good up against Bradley, who I have a ton of respect for still. At the same time, you know, in that second game, Gordo, Bradley was on Gwen, a champion that I hate to see in competitive play. I love her. Hate to see her in competitive play. I think that that uh, solo kill was deserved. I mean, heck, even Zayas got solo killed in grand finals on the Gwen, right? So who's to say uh, how much that actually means? But no, I agree overall. I think GG looked pretty good. Obviously, they were still, you know, in like a 10K deficit at the end of both games. But that's just kind of the ebb and flow of a League of Legends game. Up until you hit those big pain points in mid to late, they were looking competitive through laning phase. Uh, I think that that's one of the things that you're really highlighting there by touching upon those solo kills top. And I hope to see more of them in the future. It's a team where I really don't want to see all that many alterations. I really have kind of fallen in love with Rose Thorn throughout this entire season. Once again, that was a double Sejuani series from them. So go Rose Thorn on that front. But, you know, I like them a lot. I think that they control the map well, shot call well. And while, you know, it didn't lead to a victory here. GG got further in the bracket than I expected, mostly because I predicted that Immortals was going to beat them. I don't still. I still don't understand that one. But like, it played out kind of how I thought it would with GGTL. I was expecting aggressiveness, aggression, and early attempts at trying to run the game from GG until trying to weather the storm in a really good manner. And it kind of eventually, it kind of happened like that. But I feel like. And this happened in the next series as well. I have to take my hat off to Mir because I was asking for the love of God that he played consistently a little bit more. And he's really coming through in this in this lower bracket. He's really doing so effective for he's being really effective for TL in trying to gain leads, trying to gain control of the game in their hands. And even when they don't necessarily get it, Mir still doesn't just run it, which is like that is a really important difference compared to where it was previously and the way that they are working together with APA and also Kim Down I think has been a much improved version of Kim Down in the in the lower bracket compared to where it was previously I think that the players are coming together these young players have been really really good for their first like NACL uh, I would call it campaign run gear together has been really consistent and the fact that they are pulling their weight in, in this sort of a scenario where it probably weights more on the rookie than on the veterans 
it's a really fun thing, a good thing to see on TLC, and I'm excited actually with them moving forward. Yeah, for sure. I mean, on the champion pools alone, I think the meta shifts have favored TL a lot here as well. Not to write off improvement that they've shown as a team. I think their team play's gotten a lot better too. Um, but I do think, like as you said, I think Kim Down looks way better on the Rakans and the Nautiluses of the world than he does on like the Namis and the Lulus and the Ash that he was playing throughout a lot of the early season. The Renata was also great. Yeah, Renata's his Renata's been quite good as well. Glad that he's getting a chance to play that. I think it works really well with how TL wants to play as a team. Um, and then Mir as well has had a great meta shift in his favor. I think the fact that he can play the Lee Sin uh, is is huge for him. You know, he's starting to really draw bands on that and uh, still very good on the Vi. Uh, still very good on the Wukong and you know I think having being able to be a huge threat on like three to four junglers right now is exactly what you need to do I think that's one of the things that you will find about all the junglers in the top four right is that they really do tend to play all of the meta picks um, and I think having that depth is super important at this point of uh, of the season and in this meta in particular I think that's about all she wrote for those earlier matches let's get out of the best of threes and into the best of fives let's give a quick rundown of our first matches to start off the best of five stage of the tournament first up is the elimination match between 100 thieves and team liquid challengers where tl gets themselves at a top four once again with a three to one win in what seating wise is an upset i would say my predictions wise is an upset and I think really shows another layer of what TDS was talking about earlier, like Mir evolving as a player and a huge run uh, from all of TL as a team. It's so crazy to think back to the very beginning of the Salt Mine War. I think, believe it was both TDS and I who put TLC at the very first uh, for, at the very first uh, team in terms of our predictions and power rankings, and. I got to give credit to TDS for not falling off the wagon. Cause I know I sure did uh, <laughs> as the season progressed. I was right there with you, Gordo, when we were doing the is TLC on the decline chat for two weeks in a row, but yeah, they've really impressed here. I think that this series is the culmination of how they've been performing in bracket excited to see them continue to push forward here, but guys, that faith of 100 challengers, I'm still not getting it. I know you don't get the Immortals faith that I had, but I'll throw it right back at you. What made you think 100 C was going to take this? Yeah, I, first of all, I wasn't even expecting 100 Thieves to be down here. <laughs> I thought they would win against Dignitas. And then, like, the thing is that the pa I, I was expecting 100 Thieves to have a really good patch with Darshan. Because you don't have to do... Like, it's funny. TL did what I thought... 100 Thieves was going to do. You put Darshan on tanks, and then you have a hyper carry. And then you play front-to-back team fights with the best AD carry in the league. And that should be the plan. That's what I was expecting. And it didn't happen. It happened <laughs> one game, sorry. And then Darshan decided to get NA jaced. Uh, that, that was yeah, a fun one. <laughs> that, that, that made me lose my mind. I was just like, yeah, let's put Darshan on Jace. When your AD carry is your star player, why not? What what could possibly go wrong? 
and then I want to say also, I didn't give credit to Bradley, but I feel like Bradley's tank play has been really, really good. It came back to something, I think I said it last week, like, Bradley's team play complements TL's style so well compared to him playing on the side by himself in any other champ. Like, his bruisers are not necessarily bad, but I feel like his tank play makes TL as a whole better. And it's really shown. Like, every time they come together as a unit with Bradley playing the tanks, their team fighting feels so smooth, so well. Arrow on a hyper carry feels much more consistent, even though he does like the Draven a couple of times here and there. His hyper carry play has been much more consistent in general. And then when you have, once again, one of the better mid laners, he is really rising to the occasion. APA playing like a carry, like a playmaker with Mir not running it. It just feels like the team comes together really, really well. And like this version of TLC is something that obviously we didn't see all season long, but they came together when it mattered the most. And I believe two more series. Wait. Three more series. No, two. No, three. three yeah, more, three more three series. Three more series if you're in the loser's bracket. So for three TL, more series, I believe. Be, it will be three more if they're making the run to finals. Um, yeah, and to answer your question, Yarko, my take is actually kind of different from TDS's. I mean, I did expect to see Darshan on tanks and trying to play front to back, but I also felt like last week um, they really showed that... They kind of had that extra layer in the tank, at least it felt like, since Darshan joined the team. I thought their mid-jungle looked a lot better um, with Darshan on the team. Who knows really why? You know, maybe Yukino just kind of starting to gel a little bit deeper into his rookie season. Um, and, like, he and Destiny pairing up together to roam towards mid and stuff, I think, looked really good uh, in their matchups against some of the weaker teams, and they just were not able to replicate that up against the likes of Dignitas and the Team Liquid here as they lose two series in a row, uh, going 1-5 and five between the two of them and bow out. Um, I don't know. I'm excited to see Sniper back. I mean, I think I think Darshan got a bit exposed in the Dignitas series in particular. He doesn't have the best series against TL either, although I don't think it was quite as bad um, as up against Hoon. I think also, you know, if, if Sniper isn't doesn't get better sometime soon, I think Darshan having more time to play League of Legends, you know, that can't hurt either. I think he could be quite good again as well. Um, just an unfortunate situation for them here. Um, but top six, nothing to be ashamed of. Ideally, more than two months playtime in League probably benefits Darshan a little bit more. So if he stays, hopefully it works out. I'm worried with Sniper, not because like I think he's going to get replaced or anything like that. I just hope he comes back. I, I don't really care if it's with 100 Thieves or not. I just hope he comes back. Because I even even with how like shaky 100 Thieves was looking, he was one of the players that I was like most looking forward to in general in NACL. Because I, I liked the way that he was playing. And his laning phase was always enjoy entertaining to see in, to some degree. So I hope that he comes back. And I hope he plays in any other team. Honestly, to me, once again, trial by fire. I would rather see him in LCS, but people say he's not ready lcs ready things so that's probably not, not the case he won't be old enough all right the rules yeah so. you know uh, off topic but do you know that there's apparently a 15 year old mid laner in lck that could have been playing but because of the rules he can't interesting <laughs> i don't know i mean it's, it's, like i believe that i mean and i'm excited to see him when he's 17 in lck i think it's it's kind of a good like i almost find it to be a good thing about our esport though that we're like okay you got to be at least 17 before we let you play in the pro league i don't know what it is i think yeah. it's just it 
I just think it's a good thing. I don't like it's just something about employing children uh, to play at for but, you know six figure contracts on like this big of a stage sports. and stuff. I just feel like I, I not American sports, man. American pro sports yeah. are played by adults. When- and I don't know. I kind of prefer it that way. I just like I look, I glance over at Fortnite and stuff sometimes, <laughs> and I see like the best players being thirteen or fourteen years old, and I'm like, I don't know, man. Once it again, makes me it makes me uncomfy. I'm I'm I prefer to have adults in our <laughs> leagues. Like once again, I'm 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 screwed with football because like it just messes up with the idea of, of age because I've seen so many like fifteen year olds debuting, sixteen year olds debuting, and it's it's really fun. Like imagine a sixteen year old going against a thirty year old man that is twice not only twice his age, twice twice his body weight, twice his experience. Pro could probably be his one of his brother's son or something like that going against you in a professional match, and you have to go against him. It's hilarious, but it's fun. That's where you see who the true stars are. Like one one quick like uh, fact about my country uh, in women's soccer are like one of the biggest stars that has popped up recently 15 year olds already playing in the big leagues in Spain obviously with women probably a little bit different than with men but it just goes to show that as long as you're good and above 15, 14 year olds you can play and that's why I'm being corrupted in that sense but it's fun Lads, I'm introducing a new response to TDS talking about soccer. I am now going no. to spend two solid minutes referencing sumo wrestling, which I guarantee you to literally no listener is going to get. But, Are there you know. 13-year-olds in it. sumo wrestling? Is no. <laughs> you, you see, here's the thing. is that I'm trying to make the counterpoint to TDS because, broadly, Gordo, I agree with you. I think that if we get on the spice mine deeper on uh, past the this first it. NACL season, we need to talk about a uh, hard capping that you have to, like, go and have a stint in collegiately to go legends before you go pro but that's a discussion for another day um all i was saying is that i personally think that we should be looking for formalized pathways forward to you know allow and teach maturity in people before they are like handed six-figure contracts and i think the best way to do that is just simply by capping age i think that where we currently stand is pretty good uh, here in America and TDS. Well, I do think that it is exciting that you have like 15 year olds playing against people who are like double their body weight and it's someone's great. son. I don't know. You kind of lost me on that point. Right. <laughs> but I, I just great. think about like in sumo, how there's an expectation that people go pro when they're 18 and then you have like de- developmental years in one of the lower divisions where you aren't actually like paid a salary or anything like that. Um, and I just see uh, the people who like really run the ladder get there really quickly at a really young age. We currently are seeing Ochi in the second division there in wrestling. And I'm really worried he's going to get injured because yeah, he definitely is like a meteoric talent, but I'm afraid that he hasn't developed the ability to remain composed in tough situations. And because of that I'm terrified, he's going to like overexert himself um, like over gambit on like a leg throw or something like that. And he's going to get injured. And all of a sudden this like great talent that we have is going to burn out and fall from stardom. Right. So for me, I, I, this is all to say, I really hope that we keep, you know, this like boundary of age set. I want to see sniper, you know, continue to develop at this level of play. And, you know, I think this also just builds the mystique around players like him. Griffin as well, I think is another really young challenger player that people are constantly talking about. Right. Because, I think they have the chance to turn into something great. I'm glad that they have all these resources right now without massive expectations being heaped on them because they're bracketed by their age. But if you throw them to the wolves, isn't that 
more exciting to see. Like, imagine you you throw them to the wolves, they fight to the death, and they come out stronger. Like, this is the thing. I feel like that's one of the differences between uh, uh between NA. I won't say us because I'm not an A, legitimately. But between an A and and Korea LC LPL and and LEC, the fact that they are more willing to sacrifice for the for the purpose of success. And okay, go for your point, Narco, but I want to finish this as well. Nah, man, I'm telling you, this is the thing, right? Like, yet last night in Sumo, in the March Ba Show, Ochi wrestled against Ichinojo, who is like double his age, double his weight. Dude <laughs> stood in the ring, wrestled him for like a solid minute and a half. If he comes in today with a bandage on his arm after what looked like a rough shoulder wrench in the ring, I'm going to be heartbroken. He was not ready for this level of play. I kind of wish that he did not immediately shoot up to the second division. That's my prayer. Uh, yeah. It's so, understandable. Like, it's not like I don't understand it, but at the same time, like, and this is where I, like, I see it obviously from the more, like, globalized sport. Not saying that Sumo is not, like, potentially that, but it feels like more so in the sense that it reminds me of the issue with it being collegiate and then the actual just jumping to pro stage. Because it's globalized and because there's potentially more talent, if you don't excel now, there's someone that can replace you. And that's obviously the difference with, like, to me at least, looking at it from the perspective of the other leagues. If you throw yourself to the wolves and you don't succeed, someone will go in and will be willing to go into the wolves and get out alive. That That's the thing. And I think that that's not... an done enough in an A compared to the other leagues where they are willing to make the jump for that like big success. Aren't you already an LCS and NA doomer though, TDS? Like, don't you agree that perhaps if we can't be globally competitive, we should just shift into having the healthiest and longest lived ecosystem that we possibly could have, especially given that like this year, there's been so many canary in the coal mine arguments made about the LCS losing viewership, et cetera, et cetera. I'd rather I'm just the try to stake it out for the long term. Uh, funnily enough, I'm on the opposite. I, I thought this, this has been a really good year for LCS in my eyes. Like, I think the viewership, the fact that the viewership has been so consistent for weekdays, like I like it's not week, it's weekdays and has been really consistently good. I think it's a good positive sign for the LCS. And I don't like I'm not a doomer for LCS. If I'm not a doomer for LLA, I'm not a doomer for LCS ever. So <laughs> so I'm already I'm already positive in that. And the thing is that I I don't disagree that there's a lot of things that LCS can do better, but it's still the same thing that I feel like people are approaching. You cannot approach LCS as a American sport. You have to approach it as an uh, a so uh, like soccer or tennis or volleyball, where you will be thrown to the hardships immediately, and you have to be able to overcome them as soon as possible. That's the thing, like because it's not go, it's never going to be an Americanized sport. It it's already never going to be because you already have multiple nations going into it or multiple leagues in different places that don't follow your rule set going into it. So if that's the case, you cannot approach it as an American sport. You have to adapt to it. And I think that um, it, it will take time, but I feel like it's going to happen. It's just how quick they realize that they cannot approach it as an American sport. Yeah, I, I fall in the middle of these two arguments. Like, I think we, I think we <laughs> just need to, like, I think we need to give NA talent more chances. I think we need to, like, be more willing to start the rookies. Uh, and, and that comes with importing less. Um Keep the, keep the children out of the league for now. <laughs> I, I can't be a fan of like a thirteen year old man. It's it's just I don't know. It's it's, it's so weird. It reminds me how old I am. 
watch like LCK challengers. It's terrible. I can't do it. Yeah, I know. That's why it's 15 year olds. You need to do the 15 year old ones, not 13. That's too young. But 15, perfect. I will say though, like I feel like this is a perfect segue to say, look at Masu. I think that he's an amazing talent that you should already be looking to try and maybe yeah. pump upwards. Because to me, he's like you have 80 carries in LCS that I'm not saying some of them are doing bad, but I would I, I would so much want to see Masu playing in, in the like no nothing against tactical but I would love to see Masu instead of tactical I would love to see Wixie instead of tactical it would be so interesting to see them perform and in the last days where not it's not worth it for IMT would have been great to see something like that particularly I want to see Masu Masu has been so when 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 the 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 what is it called the Rockley weights came off of lag, Masu has been top-notch performance oh, so yeah, far. For sure. And let's we can get into that here. We've talked about a lot of things besides TL Challengers and 100 Thieves, but the only <laughs> other thing I would say about TL is uh, I, I think between this and the Golden Guardian series, um, APA's unique champion pool has made like such a big difference for TL there in, in draft. I think in particular the Ziggs, such a perfect champion for TL as a team and how they yeah. want to play. Like they, I think they're they they very much play to get early leads with Mir. Uh, they have very good like disciplined macro as a team. When you make that slip up up against them, if you give them two kills around a dragon fight, or you make a bad rotation and leave them alone with a turret for so long, they're great at accelerating that into a big league and a big lead. And Ziggs just turns that up to eleven. Like I think. This is a pick you really need to be very concerned about. Um, and his Ari play has been fantastic as well. So it's like those are like two picks that you like. Those pretty much need to take up your second round of bans if you're up against APA. And that just that makes things really tough in draft up against TL Challengers. I think that's going to be very dangerous uh, for Cincinnati Fear. And I'm very curious to see how they navigate it. It's a, All it sounds to me is APA MVP of playoffs. And I'm all in for that. As someone that was already hyped with APA, I'm all in for that. One thing I will say, though, is I love, uh, like, the six. One of the particular things that I love with the six is the setup around the six. Because, the, and you were bringing up with the macro. So many times when it was play around, like, objectives and things like that, I remember, and one play stuck in my mind so heavily. It's Mir going in with a Wukong. Ulti AD carry insta-bomb from the six. One shot. Like, it was a like one shot on Unforgiven. And he was playing, I think it was Saya. So it's not like it's an AD carry that it's easily killable. And they play that out quickly, they get two picks, immediately go Baron. It was so well executed, and the setup that they have with the six is always so consistent. So it was so nice to see, and I feel like that's something that is going to be difficult to attack because you have to ban the six, but nobody plays six. So do you really want to blow a ban on the six? And then, like you were bringing up, one of the things that I liked from Fear is their drafting, but when you have to focus a really like a specific champion pool, it may become a little bit harder. Because one thing that I would say, Flyzy, drafting-wise, was awful in that series. Like, yeah. Flyzy's drafting was awful. I hate it so much, watching that. Yeah. So moving on to the Cincinnati Fear Fly series, I do think that Game 5 in particular, I think, does get kind of lost in draft. They clearly run out of AP options in that draft coming into the second phase and that kind of does it right i mean like it's uh 
uh, Faisal's Scion gets to just build full armor for the whole game. He's untouchable. And yep. that is how FlyQuest bow out of the tournament. So that's definitely a pretty disappointing one to see. Um, I will say, though, I mean, FlyQuest, I think, not uh, Fear, rather, I think is probably one of the better drafting teams in the tournament. We talked about it last week as well, and that's part of why I'm really excited to see them coming in against TL, both because I want to see APA and Shochi's champion pools up against one another because Shochi's kind of the other guy still in the tournament who plays a really deep pool of stuff. You know, he'll bust out the Tristana. He'll bust out the Trindamir. He's still drawing bands on that one. He'll play a lot of Vigar. Um, which I think a lot of other folks aren't willing to do. The other big pick for this team to me is the Gragas. Um, this is this team is demonstrably treating it as a three-way flex. They'll play at mid, they'll play at jungle, they'll play at top. Um, Faisal and Perry both have fantastic individual Gragas games in this series that get them two of their three wins. I am pretty impressed with how this team utilizes that flex pick i think they use it better than anyone in nacl right now also notably we have shochi passing the chogath test there in their series versus fly challenger so shout out to them rare that a mid laner does that especially uh, nowadays with it being prioritized top or even bot with like senna the funniest part to me is that Chogat, like just adding onto the Chogat, you can also do that with Cyan in mid lane, by the way. Like you can flex Cyan, Chogat, mid lane, top lane. Nobody does it, but you can actually do that in certain matchups and it works out really well. I like why C in this series is weird because we were talking about this, right? And I remember saying it. The first game defines who wins that series to me. I think Fly C, if they win the first game, it's a 3 0. And it's not necessarily because of drafting or anything like that it's more so confidence for fear because i feel like it, it it for fear it's a game where where you can see okay we can actually win them win against them we we are not that inferior i remind you the first game was like a 8k gold lead at like 20 minutes something like that like yuji had or yeah yuji had run a clinic on jungle in that first game he did such a masterclass on how to play the early game with the leasing uh in that in that first game and honestly if i'm fear and they lose the same the the way that it was going in that first game i feel like likewise just has the confidence to run them over but because they did come back in that first game in the manner that they did it just kind of gave them that confidence boost that we are just as good or better team as a whole to be able to fly fly to fight flyquest and they played around that fact in the rest of the series like the the rest of the drafts were up around playing as a unit instead of trying to force certain picks or certain things like that and that's why the draft at the end looks so cohesive and so consistently good for sure a big series for trevor as well i want to give a shout out to him his thresh is nuts um van thresh thresh is that, just nuts right him. now yeah. as long as you have right hands now, but... but but he played it so well like yeah but it really is the meme of remember when there was that player that played Morgana? I don't remember his name. Uh, you mean me in solo queue yesterday? Oh, in the LCS. Never mind. No, you play Lilia, not Morgana. <laughs> I, I do play Lilia so far. No, Milio, <laughs> though, I was jamming him today. I think I found a new main. Uh, I'm finally back on a normie champ, but we're getting um, off topic. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I don't remember the name of the player that played Morgana. Like, he it was permaban against him in LCS, but like, it feels like that with Trevor. Hit seeking hooks legitimately. He got so many picks for fear in the whole of the series. Mm -hmm. 
yeah no absolutely nuts performance by him trevor trevor's gonna be an interesting case now too because i feel like if like this is trevor's rookie split in the nacl and if trevor was a you know if he was a yukino or a sniper you know if he was rolling up here at age 16 uh you know he would be like oh man look at this hype rookie look at it he would be like in perry territory right or it's like look at this young rookie who just came up he looks so good in his first split in challengers we've we got to get this guy onto a challengers team and then we got to get him in the lcs you know like that would be the story uh you know in a rookie at a more normal age um trevor is 27 I just realized he's three years older than me. Yeah, Trevor <laughs> didn't is, even know that. I know, man, and it's like, this, like, and by the way, we're only in this position because we were so willing to like let him sit down in amateur for so long, right? Like he should have gotten his shot long ago, but he didn't, and now yep. this is like kind of an awkward position for teams, right? Because it's like, are you? Are we really going to let one of who looks like one of the better supports in NACL, are we really going to let him sit outside of challenger teams and outside of LCS teams just because he's older? I hope not, but he would be capable. Could happen. I find it very, very funny that according to the wiki, his his uh, solo queue idea is old pal as a 27 year old. Um, oh God, it's such a strange place to be in, right? Because for me, he's virtually a rookie. I've never really seen much of Trevor before this point, but he has been consistently very impressive. I kind of wish that we sent some credit his way a little bit more consistently when we were doing our all pro team, for instance, uh, especially given how he's been performing during these playoffs. But for me, I think that kind of the opposite of what we're talking about with the real youngsters coming in, this is the person double their age, right? DDS. Um, yeah. I hope that there's a sea change and a shift in culture that is occurring. And I think that we're already seeing a little bit of that discourse move towards, you know, favoring experience, understanding that you don't have to be a cracked out Zoomer in order to succeed in League of Legends, even at its highest level of play, right? Um, and especially in the support role, I don't think that mechanics are that important. Obviously, he still has them because he's playing like the most mechanically intensive support out there with Thresh and popping off. So... Hopefully they get their shot moving up the ladder, even playing in the LCS proper. I would love to see them there for at least a little bit. Well, it's perfect opportunity to make another transition to football because, like, oh, one no. of the things that took some time for, like, retiring age took time to begin marrying less in football. So because before, like, when the sport was still getting going and things like that, retiring age was 30. One of the goats of the sport, to me, the goat of the sport, retired at age 33, if I'm not wrong. Like that, for football particularly, is it's not that old. But it, it, for the time, it was old. So it takes time before retiring age becomes marrying less and less. And more so, how long can you keep your longevity? Right now, I think there's players playing through 43, 44. We even see an example of that in another sport that is... Probably not that, uh, like, intensive in the position that he plays, but you could argue that he probably should have already retired, which is Tom Brady, right? 47, I think it is? No, I certainly get what you're saying here, TDS. It's pretty impressive to see people in soccer, you know, perform at an older age. And I think the experience is valuable. It reminds me of my favorite traditional sport of sumo wrestling, you know, where we have Tamawashi 
just one of the greatest wrestlers from Japan uh, in recent memory, really kind of pushing the age bracket. He's 38, I believe, still competing in. I think he's still actually in the top division. But regardless, he's one of the few people with a really favorable record, especially later on in his years versus the Yokozuna Teronofuji. And what this implies to me is that, hey, experience is just as valuable as mechanics and strength. And I think that that will be something that continues to be valued in increasing amounts in a variety of sports right especially with the rise in medicine for more traditional and physical based activities you're gonna have people playing forever i mean as you're saying tom brady's a really good choice on that front uh i just hope baker plays 45 by the way he's bowing out at 45 oh tom brady Forty-five. There's, uh, there's a soccer. There, uh, just to like, there's a Japanese soccer player, fifty-three. I think he's still <laughs> playing in the Japanese league. I don't even remember his name, but fifty-three. So yeah, like, and particularly, I feel like making the parallel with uh, American football is more so than with soccer because there's more specialized positions. You could make the argument like for support, like you were bringing less mechanically intensive positions you can try and look for players that are not necessarily younger that are, that are older and you can keep them going now mechanics you can still have them at old age but it's kind of like the stigma should be going away damn it i can't uh, i can't one up 53 year old soccer player unfortunately yeah. <laughs> sumo, i give up we got to get back to league of legends because we I don't even understand how that's possible uh, like not even not even football fans understand how that happens and he's still playing, so hats off to him. All right. Well, Trevor's age aside, let's get into <laughs> the predictions we have for the end of our bracket because we are already at an hour here. Um, nice. Let's talk about Dig Challengers as a Cloud9 Challengers. We alluded to it earlier on. This is going to be our winner's final. Winner moves right into that grand final spot. Do we think Dignitas Challengers has a chance? How how can they how can they capitalize on this opportunity and get themselves into a place where they can win? I think that they have a chance. Are they taking home the series? I don't think so, but it's a five game run, right? There is a chance that it goes for the full session and actually put it down as my prediction, Gordo. I think it's going the full five games. Uh, eventually C9 will come out on top, but dig is going to be their biggest tough test up until this point. I hope to see them clash twice. It's most likely that they are going to clash twice with either outcome dig C or C9 C being sent down to losers bracket. But this is a team that I think can easily give C9C a run for their money. It isn't like these guys don't have momentum, right? They are undefeated up until this point in the playoffs. They were almost the top seed coming into the playoffs themselves with their huge performance in the regular season that took everybody except for Bonfire um, off course. But, you know, I, I still think that they have that magic in them, the magic that had us talking about them week after week after week, nominating Insanity, nominating all these other players for Player of the Week. They still have that magic. And I know that, like, the C9C rise, the TLC rise in recent times have kind of overshadowed our Dignitas discourse, as it were. But they certainly still have what it takes uh, to bring it together. And there is a chance they win. I'm not going to vote that they will win, but I would not be shocked to see them actually being the ones coming out on top and us talking about them next week. It's fair point, but I'm on the tumor side on that, on that regard. I already kind of hinted at it. I don't think Dixie will have that much chance. Like, I think just player-wise, they get outdone in each lane apart from maybe jungle where i think 
XG probably is a little bit ahead of Tomio, but not by much. Any other lane, I favor C90. So if I already don't give them that much favor laning-wise, I think team-wise, like C90 is better. I go for a straight 3-0. I don't think Dixie is going to win any game. I think it's going to be C90 domination. Like, the points you were giving were good, but who outdones Dixie in, any, in, all, in all of those? C90. They took the top spot from Dixie. They also have the unbeaten record, like Dixie. The momentum is on their side as well, like Dixie. And they already have the time to accommodate to their changed player, like Dixie, Dixie did, but in a way better manner, in my eyes. Because I think that C90 has been much more dominant than Dixie. Like, we, we all remember the, the game against FlyQuest where they could have been instead in the lower bracket. C90 hasn't had that. They have been consistently good. So I just don't see the angles where Dixie wins. Like, it's so difficult to see. I, I think it's a straight 3-0. I already have my grand final in my mind, by the way. And it's C9 there. I mean, I think that C9 is going to be there in grand final, CDS, but... Like, I don't think that it necessarily has to be from winner's side. Maybe it is just you hyping these guys up after extended football references throughout the rest of the episode. That's making me almost like want to jump in and say, actually, <laughs> screw you guys. Dig is taking this. Dixie. But like, remember you know, what happened when you went IMT? <laughs> <laughs> Let's put it this way. Like, at, it's at least not going to be 3-0. I'm going to confidently say that's at, that's going to be the case. These guys met in the regular season and they split the games. Like, it's not going to be a 3-0 by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, but I regular don't Season, it doesn't work that like if that was the case TLC wouldn't be here and that's the thing like regular season is a good indicator until a certain degree I, I still think that CNC is better like I understand your point though but I just I'm doomer I'm a doomer All in right. that sense alright <laughs> I think I'm gonna complete the trifecta here and I'm probably gonna say 3-1 for Cloud9 <laughs> uh, I do think okay. if, if Dig gets a chance in this series i would think it's through trying to capitalize on the jungle matchup like tds said i think particularly in draft perhaps you can kind of force tomio off these kind of comfort picks uh he tends to kind of get a free pass in the draft as there's so many things you got to prioritize like people are banning fake gods jace has a 100 ban rate the rumble's got a pretty big ban rate um they banned the caitlin and the lucians up against lost you know these are the kind of things that tend to uh take up uh, a lot of the bands up against cloud nine um and as a result tomio has never shown us the lee sin at least not this year he hasn't shown us the viego this year uh i think you know if you can take him off the the sejuani wukong vi trifecta and you know throw gragas in there too maybe that's a recipe for success if if dignitas is super competitive in this series i would think that that is probably how they do it is cnc the only team that still gets lucian bans by the way i think it is right uh definitely the only team that gets lucian bans like consistently uh, and on 13.5 on 13.5 not Four. not Okay, yeah, on 13.5. Oh, no, it is 13.5. Never mind. It's 13.5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you get Lucian bans on 13.5? That's amazing for Lost and Sazel, if you're able to get that. Yeah, they're a spooky team, for sure. Um, yeah, Lost draws a lot of bans. Um, we'll see. If, if Spawn and Diamond can hold on against, you know, giving Lost a Lucian or a Caitlyn or 
Isaiah, you know, the picks that he draws bands on most frequently, um, then, you know, maybe you could utilize those bands towards the jungle and you could try to take advantage of the Tomia matchup. That that would be my call as coach coming in for Dignitas versus Cloud9. But we will see how it plays out. Going to be a fun series for sure. Everyone then, has C9 going through. Yeah, we all have C9 going through. So C9 in the grand finals for sure. Count it. As we go into our last series, there's only two series this week. Team Liquid Honda Challengers up against Cincinnati Fear. This is going to be a huge win for whoever takes it, let me just say. Getting top three for either of these teams is going to be nuts. Probably a little bit more nuts for Fear than for TL. But even TL, you know, coming in with whole new roster, coming in with two collegiate rookies. This is just going to be massive for them if they manage to make it as well. So congratulations in advance to whoever ends up making it. But this, to me, is a lot more interesting of a series. I feel like both of these teams, these are teams that have really developed a personal style, you know, whereas Dignitas and Cloud9, it feels like, just kind of have the best players across the board. Uh, TL and Fear have kind of carved out niches for themselves. They have very interesting drafts. They have super deep champion pools on their mid laners in particular, but also on their top laners. And this is going to be a matchup that I'm super excited to watch. And I think could definitely go to five games, regardless of who you end up predicting. You want to go first, Nyarko, or should I? Should oh, I you take it first this the... time. You take it first okay, this I'll time. Say, yeah, because I'm going full TL fanboy here. I have TL taking it. I have full confidence in them. And once again, I'm taking a 3-0. I think it's going to be a 3-0 for TLC. I like Fierce drafting, and I like the way that they've been going. But if I were to compare them between each other, I would say TLC is a better fear in how they play. They play a similar style, but I like TL I think TLC plays it better. And I would be and I'm going to bet that TLC is going to pull it off. Like I said, three more series wins for the dream. And I'm going to ride that all the way. I believe TLC will take it here. I honestly think that from the three remaining matches that are left, this is going to be the easiest. I feel like we all can agree on that from the three remaining teams that are left for TLC. This probably is the easiest one out of the three. So so I have expectation that TLC will try and like, will go really well here and take it 3-0. I can maybe see a 3-1, but I think TLC will take it 3-0. And MVP performance by APA. That's my take here. It's only an easy performance for them, TDS, if they win. Yeah. Um, <laughs> here's how I view it, right? I, I think a lot about Tyler 1. I, I, I Make it that what you will. What a crazy but... start to this point. Let's... Yeah. <laughs> he had this That's clip. <laughs> he had this clip uh, prior to like World's 2022 finals where I guess someone had super chatted and asked them who was going to win. And he's like, obviously, T1 is my team. I think that they have the best team in the world. But DRX is hot. And he didn't really elaborate on that because it's T1 and his responses to chats are always, you know, going to bounce around pretty hard. I kind of in the same boat as him, though. Like, it's hard for me to actually predict. The analyst mind in me is saying that TLC is looking better. But yeah, Fear are hot. They've been hot for a long time. They have not fizzled out in the way that some of these other teams have throughout the season, right? And God, do I want them to win. Even with me voting TLC as the 
top pick in my power rankings. Power rankings do not necessarily beget favoritism. That's why I put CLG Faith still like near the bottom of power rankings, and I still voted for them and rooted for them throughout the entirety of the regular season and up through these playoffs, right? But here's my thought on it, TDS. I think that for the purposes of popular voting and needing to, you know, develop a united front for the salt mine, I'm going to say it's TL. I'm going to say 3-1 for TL. Once again, I am going to be begging Fear to win this the entire way through. <laughs> and I really do think that they have a chance. And I will say that they have a chance until they are fully eliminated and they have been hit three times in a row. I'm kind of curious. Do you do you believe that if they win here, they ride it to the grand finals and win it? Because like, no, hot, no, based on, <laughs> I'm not, based on like, hot. yeah, based on being hot in DRX, right? Like, grand. If that's the case, I would say like they probably can take it to grand. But it would be side point. It would be such a huge story. Like I think this is even bigger than when it was last year in PGC, where I think it was uh, by Fire's team that won it. Uh, I don't well, remember the, the actual name. Now, team. but yeah, it was no team one with five that. Five. That would be a much bigger story if Fear wins it because of the players that they are that they have. At that time, it was by Fire, uh, Seidel, and I don't remember, but there were there it were was, they were names that people knew. It was this Viper, is a f- um, Viper and uh, Five Fire Valley yeah. Winter XLCS team practically. This time, if Fear does it, that would be such a huge story. And I think for the good of any, any, like the NA scene and the NA amateur scene, if an amateur team wins it, probably is the best thing that could ever happen to a DNA scene because it actually would make people think, okay, we have talent. So there's no excuse for why they don't play. But I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think that it's going to happen, um, you know. I have a friend who genuinely believes that esports are scripted, or at least League of Legends <laughs> professional scene is scripted. Like she actually just straight up said, "Yeah, I don't watch esports. I think that it's like just all like predetermined." If Fear wins this NACL split, I kind of would start to put a little bit more weight on that conspiracy theory. The script writers have already blown their load for these like past 365 days, right? I don't think that right after Worlds they could go for such a ridiculous uh, climb through into the top position in the NACL. But is it possible 100% if Fear are able to win this series up against TL and they knock them out and they push Devron into the bracket. I'm going to be rooting for them, but not voting for them in every single series from here on out. I would say it's the same thing. Like both for, funnily enough, for both TLC and for Fear, this is their easiest series remaining Mm -hmm. compared to the, because the other two teams, probably you would argue they are harder than their current opponent. Now, I think TLC will get to grand finals, by the way. Like, that's my my hint here. I think they are grand fi- they are getting to grand finals, but it's still like this is their easiest opening. So I'm kind of uh, like I, I I kind of feel like if they don't 3-0 fear, I wouldn't have enough confidence moving forward. For fear, on the other hand, I think that if they 3-2, that's still good enough for me to think that they can do it against DC as well. Because you don't need to 3-0 as the weaker team to really be able to get to that grand finals. Like you were saying, DRX didn't 3-0 every team, but they were still looking like they could do it. So I, I could make a, sa- a similar argument with DRX in that, in, with fear in that sense. First of all, on the, I love the sports are scripted people. I, I find, like, it's, <laughs> what, a, what a fantastic world to live in. It's just like, I, I, even in the face of, well, listen, it's, it's all scripted. 
the the more popular team does not always win the the big market teams do not always win there are a million different results that would be more popular and more profitable for those involved and none of those happen so the belief just has to be that it's scripted but not in any way that actually creates a, a meaningful profit for anybody <laughs> like it's scripted in such a way that it appears to not be scripted <laughs> it's right Riot predetermined all of the world's seeds and yet still puts the wrong teams in the world's anthem video. (laughs) Just just to fuck with themselves. It's always great when everyone in the video loses. I can't help help but go in... I can't help but go down that rabbit. I, I love it because people say it about the NFL and stuff too. And it's like, yes, dude, the NFL is scripted. That's why Chicago has been shit for forever. It's one of the largest. That's why every team from New York is garbage because that, because God forbid the largest city of the United States have a good fucking football team. It's... You mean the WWE is not scripted? <laughs> All right. You, you know, Gordo, as uh, the resident of Philly that I am, I, I have to say, you know, those NFL being scripted people, I think they got something. They got some juice behind what they're saying, man. You're telling me that last call of the Super Bowl wasn't bogus? I'm not saying calls aren't bogus. I'm just saying it's there's a lot yeah. more profitable results you could have. I'm just I'm saying that Kansas City isn't exactly the most profitable market. Uh, for you to have the best football team of the world in. That's that's what I'm saying. I'm saying there's a lot of markets that you could make a lot more money off of being the best team other than <laughs> Kansas fucking city. That's what I'm saying. But anyway, out of my prediction, Cincinnati Fear 3-2, baby. I'm, 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 screw our United front. I uh, My actual take here is I, I, I feel like Cincinnati Fear have already kind of demonstrated their formula for winning up against a team like Team Liquid here uh, in their FlyQuest series. I mean, I think FlyQuest was better at being able to play an early game accelerationist kind of style. I think Yuji was on absolute point playing through bot lane, setting up for Masu. I think that's pretty similar to what Mirror is going to try to do for Arrow. Um, I actually think FlyQuest is kind of better at it. Um, and I think Cincinnati fear, you know, it looked shaky for a while, but I think they did withstand it and they were able to come back around through superior draft and superior team fighting. I, uh, therefore believe that they're going to be able to do that up against team liquid. Um, I think they're going to have a rougher time in the solo lanes than they did against FlyQuest. I think TL does have better solo lanes. Um, but I don't know. I just think they're going to be able to do it. I think they still, I think the fear solo laners are up to the challenge. And I think that um, the bot lane duo in particular is uh, weaker on TL than it was on FlyQuest. And I think that was the point where fear struggled the most. So I think they've got the formula and I think they're going to follow through on it again. And I'm going to take fear. I like your faith. I like your principled argument, Gordo. I will say, though, I feel like the victory over FlyQuest has to come with at least some kind of asterisk because I think we all collectively agree that FlyQuest should not have lost that series. To what extent it's a fluke or not, I think it becomes the center of this debate, right? As to whether or not you think that Fear now has the sauce to take it all the way through TLC. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, 
I sure hope you're right, is all I'll say. I don't think I can budge from my 3-1 in favor of TL, but yeah, I think that the way that you're articulating it, Gordo, makes a lot of sense to me. I would be overjoyed, obviously, to see Fear take this, and I think that they have the ability to do so. I wouldn't be terribly shocked if they won. Frankly, I think that like my time for shock with Fear is over after FlyQuest lost to them, and so at this point, they can do anything. Well, and that's the thing, right, is, like, even if you do think that the FlyQuest result is kind of fluky, right, like, maybe you think FlyQuest had a 60% chance to win against Cincinnati Fear, and then, you know, like, the way that multiplies out is, you know, some amount of best of three, if best of fives, you will still win, even with a 40% win rate, right, you know, like, maybe they had a three, maybe three out of ten times they beat FlyQuest, right, and this was one of those three out of ten times. I Like I said, I think FlyQuest is better than Team Liquid. And and so for that reason, you know, if if you have a three out of ten chance to beat FlyQuest, then I think that's more like a five or a six out of ten chance up against Team Liquid. So even if you do think it's a fluke, you know, it's not like it was a freaking crazy like one in a million fluke. It was, you know, maybe a little bit disfavorable to fear and they managed to pull off the upset. But I think showing that they have the tools to do that, I think they can do it against the team that while they execute the strategy well, I think their pieces to do so are a little weaker. And so I'm going to lean towards fear. But that's the thing. Like, how many times does it need to happen to stop being a fluke and begin actually exactly. being them, that's right? Exactly, that's you, man. I'm tired of doubting it's, fear and getting proven wrong. I'm, I'm, it's I'm, like, I'm just GG was a fluke. Then they lost rightfully to C9, but then another fluke here against FlyQuest. They also pulled off flukes in the regular season. So, like, how many times do you need to do it before it's not a fluke? Now, I still think TLC would have won even against Fly C. So like, I I don't I wouldn't call like it doesn't really matter to me who won that series because either way I think they lost again they lose against TLC any way that it comes through because like I feel like the plan from TLC is so consistent that you really need to have not only better players overall but a better plan and I can only see that legitimately from one team, which is CNT. So it, it like I'm I'm. I already don't have. I don't really care if Fear does it. Like I don't. I don't really care about the hope or the good stories. I just want to be right. So already there, I don't really care about Fear. And then I think TLC improvement. Not only the fact that they already improved so far, but they've been improving week by week. Like their their play against CLG compared to their play against Hundred Thieves was night and day in my eyes. Like I think TLC has been improving so much even in the lower bracket, that I think against Fear, they will show a new face of themselves. And I'm really, like, honestly, I was really doubting him so far. But Mir has been looking potentially like the best jungler in the, in, in the playoff bracket. So he's really performing up to par, and I think that he's going to show up here as well. I agree. And uh, with... With a podcast, at the risk of taking an already very long podcast just a little bit longer, um, I do think not. You know what? Screw it. I'm gonna I'm gonna save it. I'm gonna save it for <laughs> next week uh, when we're either Ooh. talking about a TL finals or uh, talking about TL losing. Coming up next time on the Salt Mine. It's okay. We'll say TL Grand Finals. You heard it here first. <laughs> we well, go all the way. TDS will get to give his TL Grand Finals prediction uh next week because we will have one more one last episode before we close out the split uh there'll be the monday tuesday matches again uh we'll record wednesday night 
we'll edit Thursday. We'll publish Friday morning just in time for the next series to begin on a Saturday. The schedule's pretty weird as they squeeze NACL in wherever LCS isn't. And uh, so it's going to be a quick turnaround on that one. But that's going to do it for this episode of The Salt Mine. Thank you, everybody, for tuning on in. You got a little bit of an extra weekend to watch some LCS and get yourself caught up on all the NACL action as the next series will not begin until Monday the 27th. So going to have a few days to work your way through this long podcast, although if you've gotten to this point, you are already done. Uh, Good job. Yeah, great job, everybody. Hope you're all prepared for that series coming up in a couple of days. Maybe it's tomorrow. Depends on when you're listening. But until the next week, that's going to do it, and we will see you all next time.